0: Let's just ask again for his help this morning. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we do truly thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the freedom that we have to gather in this manner. We thank you for your word and all the details that it contains for us, Lord. And Father, I would just ask for your help this morning that the Holy Spirit would be guiding and directing everything that is said, that it would not be of me, that it would be your words, each one here, and that uh, you would work in hearts this morning. That you would remind us afresh of the the agony of the garden and the incredible sacrifice that uh, the Lord made for us. So we just again would commit uh, this time into your care and just ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So just before we jump into the garden, it, I do feel strongly, and I, I do this often, so this won't be a surprise to some of you. Uh, I want to take just a really quick, fresh look at who the Lord is, because context is everything. And when we look at the cross and how he suffers, when we look at the garden and the anguish that he endured, he's not just a man. And and we need to remind ourselves of that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Again, familiar passage, we know the words very well. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. All things, the universe, Galaxies, the earth, sunsets, babies, all of creation. Romans 1 and 20 would say that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have all been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Isaiah 6 gives us a glimpse of the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted. That's where he belongs. That's his rightful position. And as we approach the garden and we approach the cross, we're talking about the creator of the world, yielding himself, giving himself up to his own creation. Consider the Lord... Stepping out of glory, out of the presence of the Father to become a man. Completely righteous, completely sinless, perfect in every way, perfect unity with the Father, and then he comes to earth. The Lord is on the so he knows what's coming. He has an understanding of what's going to happen to him at the cross. I came across this quote, I'll read it, follow it along there too. Uh, in his book, Christ in His of the Netherlands makes this profound statement concerning Gethsemane, that Gethsemane is not a field of study for our intellect, it is a sanctuary of our faith. There's a profound mystery in the suffering of the Son of God who became man, And thus, it is not possible for us to plumb the depths of the agony that Jesus suffered in Gethsemane or Golgotha. But let us try to understand a small part of what God has revealed in this passage about the agony of Christ's sufferings, the lack of watchfulness of his disciples, as it's written in Matthew. we're going to read it again, a little bit differently this time. I like to mix things up. So we're going to, and it will be on the screen, but I'm going to read it from Matthew, but I'm going to also interject that there was joy, the happiness, there was fellowship. Uh, the Lord washed the disciples' feet, they ate the Passover meal, they implemented the remembrance feast. He had a time of prayer with his father, the high priestly prayer that's recorded for us in John 17. He showed love for his disciples. He's shown communion that he shares with the father. But now he's on the way to the garden. He's about to be betrayed. Until this time, he's always had, if I can say this reverently, he's always had control of the circumstances around him. Remember Matthew 26, verse 39, it says, my father, if it was possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Mark, he repeatedly. Three times, three separate times, he his This is easy to miss if we're not thinking of the th- four different gospel accounts. But the Father heard the cries of the Lord Jesus when he was crying out. Luke 22 and 43, it says, Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. The other three gospels don't mention that. It's it's only recorded for us in Luke. So if, if we just looked at Matthew in isolation, the Lord's praying, there's no answer. And lastly, the time we have left, how can we apply some of these principles to our own lives when we're worried or distressed? And I mentioned some of this, again, more of a summary, but when the Lord was, was troubled, he had other believers drawn near to him. Uh, we're told in James uh, 5.13, if there's anyone among you who's suffering, then he must pray. James 5.16 says, pray for one another. Many other across three times. Later when he returns, you know, he restores Peter three times, says that I love you. Thirdly, what did the Lord do? He prayed, prayed and prayed some more. Praying privately, praying intimately, praying repeatedly, praying for God's will and that it would be done.